from a young age all the way through sports, one thing that I absolutely despised was running. But I have a mad respect for those who enjoy doing it. And today we're bringing on an Olympic runner who's going to talk to us about his career with long distance running. You're not going to want to miss this episode of The Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is The Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Shane Larson, host of the Game Time Guru podcast. I'm happy to have you with me. So if you're new to the show, this is your first time listening to an episode. You chose the perfect episode to jump in on because we've got Jared Ward, a long-distance runner who's going to be telling us about his story today, uh, his whole journey, and how the long-distance running game really works. He did his thesis on marathon pacing. The guy is a genius. He's dropping knowledge bombs for us today, and it's one of my favorite episodes because it's one that I learned a ton because I didn't know a lot about running. In fact, I hated running, and I still do, but I still have a mad respect for those who like to run. Jared's breaking it down for us today. So before we get started, I want to go through a few housekeeping items. If you haven't subscribed to the show, you're just listening to it, hit that subscribe button. And do me a favor, if you can just leave me a review, it helps me out so much. I love reviews. They, they give me the feedback that I need, and it helps for the you know the whole show. If somebody's searching for a podcast and they want to know which one to listen to, and they see a show that has you know 100 reviews compared to a show that has two reviews, they're more likely to listen to the one that has 100 reviews. So when people say, how can I pay you back? Seriously, just leave me a review. Subscribe to my show. Leave me a review. It's free. And uh, that's the best way that, that can help me out as I continue to grow this podcast. Big shout out to all the listeners who've been with me from the beginning and anybody who's new. You guys have helped grow this show immensely. It's crazy to see where it's at now compared to two and a half years ago when we just started it as a hobby. Uh, now this thing is building out as a brand. We have merchandise. We have all sorts of stuff. So major shout out to all you guys. Just want to also remind you guys, if you want to get paid to listen to the podcast, you can download the podcast. Po- sorry, the PodCoin app, my apologies, the PodCoin app, you can get paid to listen to podcasts, mine is on there, go check it out, Game Time Guru, they'll pay you in like gift cards and stuff, so for like, it's like every 10 minutes you listen of of a show, you get a PodCoin and it continues to build up, so if you're a a podcast listener, or maybe this is the only show you listen to because you're trying to support me, cool, go download PodCoin, it's a free app on your phone, and uh, you can get paid to listen to the show. If you guys want to look at some... uh, Audiobooks, right? You like audiobooks? I was talking to you about this last week about how I love audiobooks. Um, Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins, going to be downloading that one as well. Make sure you go to audibletrial.com slash the game time guru if you want a 30 day free trial to get an audible free trial so you can listen to some audiobooks. Um, yeah, so if you haven't done so already and you're like, hey, you know what? That wouldn't be a bad idea. I just want a free trial. Yeah, go to audibletrial.com slash the game time guru. Sign up for your free trial. Helps me out, helps you out. If you like audiobooks, guys, Jared Ward is the guest on today's show. Uh, I remember when I was in basketball growing up and I was in high school, my least favorite practices are when we did all cardio. And there, people will say, well, dude, you play basketball, you had cardio every single day, like you're running up and down the court. It's no, it's different. Running sucks. Like, I hate running. Um, and we do certain practices where we just had to do down and backs over and over and over again. And I hated that. It was like my least favorite thing. And like running the mile. You know, like nowadays I run a mile and it's hard. It's hard on my body, but I have a mad respect for those who can do long distance running. And Jared Ward is a marathon runner. Uh, he is just incredible. And this interview is something something special. So check it out. Uh, big shout out to him for joining the show. I hope you guys enjoy the interview and uh, buckle up. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. We want to give a special shout-out to Jared Ward for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us today on the on the Game Time Guru. So, Jared, thanks so much for joining the show. Shane, thanks so much for having me on. For sure, man. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. And, Jared, I was kind of alluding to this in the introduction. I knew from a young age, growing up through sports and everything, I always hated running, but I knew that those who enjoyed running long distances and they did it for fun, I knew they were wired differently. And I mean that with all due respect, right? And I want to know from your perspective, though, let's get a background knowledge of who you are. At what age did you decide that, you know, running was fun and you wanted to do this, I mean, either for fun or as a hobby or competitively? When did you know you wanted to start long distance running? Well, so Shane, I think you, you might be right on the head that we're wired a little bit differently. But um, but I think, you know, I, I found that I liked it in elementary school. And I think part of the reason was just that I felt like I was relatively good at it compared to other things. And so... Um, certainly some positive psychology there for just thinking that I was good at something. Uh, but it became this thing that made me feel so free. I could go out and, and try to run faster than I had ever run before, and it didn't matter what anyone else was running for their times. Um, it was a, a sport that I could really just try to beat my own time. And, uh, and, and that became a fun process to me. And then as I got better and was able to run faster and further, the feeling of freedom of just being able to run and not having to slow down was uh, super liberating. For sure. And the thing about running is it's an individual sport as well as a team sport, it's similar to boxing and wrestling and that nature. Um, and you went through you know, middle school, high school, and even college at BYU, and you ran. And uh, you did it competitively for not only yourself, but as for a team. And uh, I want to know, you know, you decided to continue on running competitively after college. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, I definitely felt like I was going to be uh, competitive through school, and I, you know, I had my my sights set on, um, you know, earning uh, an All-American citation and things like that in college. I I did want to do some running post-collegiately, and you might you might say I had like semi-professional aspirations, um, but I I don't think I ever imagined uh, that I developed into a, this running career that I'm able to live. And, and so it's, you know, it's kind of a world there that I guess I knew existed, but I, I didn't know uh, there were so many opportunities um, and, and ways to make it work. And so I've, I've been blessed to have an incredible agent that's found a lot of good opportunities for me and awesome sponsors right from the beginning. And, and I was kind of, um, I think, uh, inundated into this world that I, I, I really don't know that I knew existed, at least as it does. Man, you referenced an agent. Uh, I want to know, let's talk about that for a second. I want to stick here, talk about the professional realm of long-distance running because I don't think a lot of people know that, especially myself. Like, I want to know, how does the professional side work? You mentioned an agent. How do you get paid? Is it mainly through sponsorships or do you get paid other ways? And how does this whole professional running thing work, Jared? Yeah, so your your sponsorship is kind of your organization, your team, if you will. Um, and sometimes, sometimes these sponsors... Um, do hire a coach and a team, and so they continue to train as a team. I, I'm with the Saucony group, and they do have a coach, um, but I train with my college coach in Utah where there aren't any other Saucony athletes. And so, so I'm kind of part of a team that trains and does my things on my own. And so um, that's my, my team aspect. And then I have a few other smaller endorsements. You know, so Saucony is my title endorsement. That's the that's the uniform I wear when I'm running. Those are the shoes on my feet. Uh, that's where, you know, my base support comes from. 
and then a few other smaller uh, sponsors. I wear Timex watches, and um, and I have some nutritional sponsors. I take the runner's multivitamin, a few other things like that. And then my agent, while alongside negotiating and finding opportunities to partner with uh, with companies for for their marketing and for my exposure, um, he looks for races that are good fits for me. And so, you know, take the, the Boston Marathon, for example. I, I ran the Boston Marathon uh, three and a half weeks ago here. The Boston Marathon wants to have the best athletes in the world there. And so they'll pay, uh, you know, if the world record holder was willing to come to Boston or some of these other guys that are um, Olympic medal contestants and things, then Boston will pay them to come and run their race. And similarly, since Boston is a U.S. best rate base race, Boston also wants some of the best U.S. marathoners there. And so my agent will be reaching out to marathons like Boston and New York and Chicago and L.A. and a lot of these other big marathons and saying, hey, um, Jared's interested in a marathon at this time. Do you have interest in having him? And they'll make an offer for me to come out um, make some sort of guarantee pay that I'll get there, and then um, and then they all have prize money and uh, bonuses for time, and all my endorsements have different performance bonuses. And so my agent kind of plots out a course built around those big marathons and then other smaller races, half marathons and 10Ks and things, where these uh, these road races want to have Olympic athletes or American record holders or things like that at their race. And, uh, and I'll, you know, he'll work out those opportunities and then I'll piece together a season with my coach. That is super interesting, man. It might've just been my ignorance when it comes to running, but I did not know that that's how it works. And that brings up another question for me though. Um, a lot of athletes go through this, Jared, they, when, you know, they have that fun, you know, growing up and competing through middle school, high school, college, they make it to the next level when it becomes a business. And some of them, you know, they they express their dislike for that business. So I want to ask you, do you still find the same joy in running that you did when you were in elementary school, middle school, high school, and at BYU? As, you know, do you do you feel find that now even though it's an incentivized business form of running? You know, it's interesting you ask that. When I first um when I first made the transition to to this professional running, it was it was super fun to go out to these new races, uh to feel like I was getting paid for it. Um, and then I felt like it kind of gradually, uh, gradually turned into this thing where I was, I was thinking about the dollars too much. I'd be on the start line thinking, okay, if I finish here, this is how much I get. These are the other guys in the race. This is what I have to do. Um, and, uh, and I found that for a little bit when I was over-focused on the dollars, it did lose some of its luster. And, um, and I've been blessed kind of after, you know, I guess in the last, Oh, couple years here. I've been I've been running professionally for about four and a half years now. Um, the last couple years has kind of got back to um, it being super fun, and and maybe part of that is that the the financial side of things um, has taken care of itself. My agent's done a fantastic job, and 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 I'm, we're in a very good place, and and um, and uh, and that sort of thing. And so maybe maybe some of the pressure was taken off, I guess. But I. I kind of stopped thinking about dollars and more choosing races and places that I wanted to run and, and uh, you know, where I wanted to take my family. And, uh, you know, for example, I'm, I'm looking at running a half marathon uh, in the UK this fall and, and taking my family with me. And that was, that was less of a, um, 
a business decision and more of a, this is a half marathon that I'm interested in running and I want to take my family to London with me. And so, um, so I think I started making decisions more based on what I wanted to do and experiences that I wanted me and my family to have and, uh, and running races that I got excited about. And that really, uh, brought back a lot of the fun to me. And so it has been fun. That's awesome, man. That's that's super cool. And now, Jared, before we get into some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about, including the Olympics, uh, I noticed that you you not only compete, but you also do some research. And I was able to check out a presentation that you did. I found it on YouTube. It was your thesis that you did in college in regards to marathon pacing. So in a nutshell, could you kind of break down some of the research that you did and what you found out in regards to marathon pacing? Sure. Well, and, and just like just like every other sport, I think that um, when you're early, early into a sport and you're figuring things out, uh, the research and uh, insight from coaches and other experts plays a big role. I mean, you compare it to your boxing, you know, your first couple of boxing matches, you know, you're going off of what you've seen, what you've read, what your coaches told you. And after, after a few, you start to recognize things. You recognize where your opponent is and the movements that they're making. And you begin to learn um, how to respond, and then it's maybe less that you're thinking, okay, the research says I need to move here when my opponent does this, and it's more just an instinctual thing or what you've learned. And I would say marathon is the same way. When I, when I was first, you know, running my first few marathons, the research I did on pacing and pacing profiles and breaking apart um, statistically what has happened in marathons and some of the research I did on my thesis um, played a big role. And I was going off of what other people said to do and where other people said to take nutrition and um, how others said to break down the marathon mentally and how to get through it. And then after a few marathons, um, I think experience is key. And so I, you know, I, I, I coach, I coach uh, some, some marathoners and some road athletes. We have a team called Endure Strong, and it's just an online team um, doing group coaching. So I do some group calls and have some resources there for, for runners training. And and, um, you know, tell these guys that, you know, when you're running your first marathon, it's very important to gather all of the information you can, look at research, look at pacing, look at what your workouts, what someone else says your workouts should indicate for your race day. But then after you have a few marathons under your belt, the gold standard is experience. And so, um, you know, I've run nine marathons now. And so I think I'm, you know, I'm starting to get a handle on, um, on, what these things are like and what I should feel like in the race and how I should prepare for it. But, um, but you know, at the last Olympics in Rio, that, that marathon was my fifth marathon. And so I think I really was still relying a little bit on some of the research and some of the things that I had done and, and other research that other people had done in terms of how to break apart the marathon and how to run it. For sure. Now let's talk about the training aspect of it with the research that you've done and how that applied to the training for the Olympics. Now in 2016, the Olympics were in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. I lived in Brazil for two years. I know how humid it is there. I can't even imagine trying to run a marathon there and doing any kind of long distance running or cardiovascular activity for that matter. I kind of want to know your thoughts and, and what you did. What was your preparation like for the Olympics and what was it like running in the Olympics? I mean, that's a huge event. Well, you know, I did I did try to adjust for that, and and Rio was the first real humid marathon that I'd ever run in. You know, I the Olympic trials for for that race, the the U.S. selection race, was in Los Angeles, and frankly, Los Angeles was about as humid as I had ever raced in um, up until the trial, or up until the Olympics, and and 
LA by comparison to Utah is humid, but but not compared to Rio, uh, as you know. And so it, it was different. And I tried to do things like wearing long sleeve shirts and sweats occasionally on a run outside in Utah. So even though I'm running in the dry heat, it's 90 degrees. And if I could trap some of that um, sweat underneath a layer of clothing, then it, I create a little humid environment um, for my body. And I tried to do some things like that. But my coach, um, Coach Eyestone here at BYU, every time I'd ask him about it, he'd, he'd just say, Jared, just get really, really fit and you'll be fine. And uh, that was that was kind of coach's philosophy going in was just to get really fit. Um, but it was different. I found that uh, when I got down there, um, certainly exciting to be racing in the Olympics. There were so many cameras and media and, and people and attention and buzz. Um, but I found that about, you know, 15 or 16 miles in, I started to feel I was cramping a little bit um, and my legs felt really heavy. And I thought, I don't know if I could do this. I, you know, I could feel my body temperature rising. And, uh, and when it's that humid, it's really hard to cool yourself because nothing evaporates off of you. And, uh, and I found that at mile 16, I was wondering if I was going to be able to make it. And, um, and I started to worry about what would happen if I didn't make it. You know, it's the biggest race of my life, and it's the Olympics, and I have USA on my chest, and I want to run the best race of my life. And, and I knew I was fit. Um, but then, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll never forget this when this thought hit me that I didn't know if I could make it to the finish line, but I knew I could make it to my next water bottle, which was in two miles. And so all I thought about was getting in my next water bottle, and I just kept form and kept rhythm and uh, kept clicking those five-minute miles, and I got to my next water bottle, and I drank it, and I felt a little bit better. And I thought, you know what, I don't know if I can make it eight more miles to the finish line, but I know I can make it two more miles to my next water bottle. And that kind of became the mentality all the way through the end of the race. Uh, and I ended up moving up over those last miles far enough in the race that, that I finished sixth and, um, and was so excited about that. In fact, in fact, so excited at the finish line that some of the media made fun of me for being the most excited sixth-place finisher they'd ever seen in the Olympics. Um, <laughs> But but I was excited, Shane. You know, it's like it was one of those things where, you know, it kind of goes back to the grassroots of why I loved running, and that was that I could go out there and I could beat myself, and I can use competition to to further how hard I can push myself and what I can get to. And, and that, um, that sixth-place finish uh, was an accomplishment, especially considering 10 miles earlier I was thinking, I don't know if I can make it to the finish line. Dude, that's super motivating to me just to hear that. Like, that's so awesome. I mean, you're 11 miles out when you started to have those doubts and you just, you grinded it out. That's, that's awesome. And that shows the grit and determination and mental toughness of long distance runners. Dude, I just ran a mile with my dogs um, this morning and literally it hurts to like run a mile. My calf started cramping, my hips start hurting. So I, I literally don't know how it's physically possible to run such a long distance. And, and you were able to finish sixth in the Olympics. That's unbelievable finishing sixth place and that's a huge accomplishment and I, I can't I I mean that's that's amazing would you say that's at the top of your list of accomplishments so far in your long distance running career or do you have any others that you'd like to share you know I think that's probably the biggest and and um and I feel fortunate to to have had you know that race you know probably my best race uh happen at the Olympic Games and there's been you know there's been others where to me arguably some of the some aspect of the accomplishment has been um, has been equally rewarding, but I think um, I think objectively I'd have to say that 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 sixth place finish was probably probably my best race. No, I don't blame you because that's a pretty sweet accomplishment, man. I want to stay on the topic of how 
how demanding running is on your body too. So you, you discussed this, you, you had 11 miles left and your body started cramping and you finished it, you pushed through, but that's a huge toll it takes on the body. And you mentioned, you know, getting to your next water bottle and getting the hydration that you needed for your body to continue going. So I want to talk about this. A lot of elite athletes, they, they, they focus so heavily on nutrition and taking care of their bodies, nutrition and recovery. So for you as a long distance runner, how important is nutrition and, and preparation for your training that goes into, you know, running and how long after a race like that do you have to wait before you can actually start training again? So um, nutrition plays a huge role, um, especially, you know, especially during the marathon, you know, I think our, our body can't quite carry enough glycogen to get us all the way to the finish line. Um, and so unless you're really well trained, you know, keto type diets in terms of metabolizing fat, which, which our body can't do quite as, as, as high of a rate as carbohydrates, we need to be replenishing some of those stores. And so, so hydration is huge, especially if you're running in, in uh, warmer weather, humid weather, um, and, uh, and then getting some extra calories in there um, in some way that settles as you're running is a big part. But, but also the nutrition in the training. I mean, it, as, as you know, as an athlete, it's, it's uh, you know, eating, eating what your mom puts on your plate as opposed to um, frozen pizzas and, and hot dogs makes a big difference in how you feel um, and, and how you're able to recover. And so I, I take it very seriously. I'm, I'm counting my macronutrients every day. Um, and, and making sure I'm getting enough protein and enough carbohydrates and enough fats in and then have a balanced enough diet um, that I'm getting enough, uh, enough nutrition in. And I think that plays a big part in being able to recover. Um, I think marathoning isn't, isn't unlike um, boxing in, the, in terms of um, time in between marathons and buildups and things like that. I mean, we, for, for a marathon, I'll probably um, – I'll build up for somewhere between three and four months. And sometimes I'll have a couple other shorter, like tune up races in there. I might throw a half marathon or a 10 K in there just to make sure that I'm, I'm racing well. And I'm, you know, give yourself that opportunity to experience those pre-race nerves and things like that. Um, but it'll take me three or four months to build to a marathon as I get close to it, probably for two weeks before I really taper down, rest up. And then I hit that marathon day. Um, and then I would say it's, it's a week or two weeks before I'm running again, and it's a month before I feel like I'm recovered enough and back into the easy exercise enough that I'm ready to train again. And then it probably takes another month after that month uh, to build back up to a base to where I can start training again, and then three or four months of training and then another marathon. So, so I look at running uh, you know, two marathons a year uh, on average, kind of year in, year out, and then probably another half dozen or so shorter races kind of fit in between those. Crazy. Dude, do you do any kind of cryotherapy sort of like recovery uh, methods for your racing? Yeah. I, you know, so I, I haven't done any of that um, specifically, but, but yes, I like, I mean, I, I have a handful of physical therapists that I work with. Um, and a couple other massage therapists and my, my wife's actually a massage therapist and she works on me too. And, um, and so I'm, you know, I'm taking advantage of, of a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, things like that to try to keep me healthy. In fact, I have, um, I have a physical therapist that I'm going to see a little bit later today and, 
and um, and probably a massage therapist right at the top of next week, and my wife will work on me in between. And so I do think it's important to to take care of yourself, and uh, and and it makes it makes a big difference when when you're pushing your body um, right on that line of uh, trying to get the most out of it as you can. For sure. And Jared, you've been to a couple amazing races. Like you've taken part in some awesome ones. You mentioned the Boston Marathon, the Olympics. Um, is there a specific race or a specific event that sticks out to you, which was your favorite event? Or would you say the Olympics with that accomplishment at sixth place finish was your favorite event? Um, I would have to mention there's a million of them. There's been so many fun races and, um, and it's hard to, it's hard to pick just one. Like I feel, feel super blessed to uh, have a job in which I just get to go and see cool places and run cool races and meet incredible people and, and opportunities to take my family and have my kids and my wife be a part of that too. And so, um, there are so many good ones. I, I loved the Chicago marathon. Um, Chicago is a cool city. I certainly love the Boston marathon. That's a unique experience. Uh, running in the Olympics is something special. I'll never forget the finish line of the Olympic trial qualifier race, the selection race for the U.S. where I crossed the line and, and knew that I'd be headed to the Olympics. Um, and so there's experiences like that. But, but Shane, there's also experiences in college that were so fun, and, and even in high school. I still remember the high school state meet um, running on the medley relay team, and I anchored it and outleaned the guy at the finish line by hundreds of a second uh, for the win, and our relay team won. And that that still sits in my mind as one of my most exciting races. And so, I don't know, it's it's hard to pick just one. Um, there have been a lot of cool experiences. I feel super blessed. And how long do you intend on racing for, Jared? Do you, do you see yourself continuing doing this for the next couple of years? Oh, man, I don't know. You know, I'm, we'll see. I, I think I really have a few more years in me. Marathon, I just turned 30, and, and marathoners usually peak kind of into their early, mid-30s. And, uh, and so as long as I can keep my legs healthy underneath me, um, I think my, my heart and lungs have, have a few more good years in them. I, I told, so my wife was, uh, was 38 weeks pregnant when I ran in the Olympics in Rio. So she was at home watching it on TV. And then I was hurrying home after the race to try to make sure I didn't miss the, the birth of our third. Um, and so after that, uh, I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do, um, at least one more and because and, I want to bring her and I want to bring the kids. And so I'm, I'm certainly looking at, at Tokyo and, uh, and a chance at making that team next year. Um, but then they announced that the Olympics in 2024 is going to be in Paris. And my wife uh, thinks that Paris might be a fun place to go for the Olympics. And so, so I don't know, you know, if I could, you know, if I can get two or three more good years, um, I'm going to consider myself really blessed. And if I can get five or six or seven more years, um, then I'll take it. So as long as these legs will go and as long as I'm having fun, I'm going to keep doing it. Heck yeah, man. And uh, we'll be rooting for you. Get to those 2020 Olympics and who knows, maybe 2024 as well. So Jared, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us, sharing your journey here on the Game Time Guru Podcast. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule. Hey, no problem, Shane. You take care of yourself. You as well, man. And for all the listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I hope you learned something from it. Make sure that you uh, stay tuned, hit that subscribe button so that you can get all the episodes going forward and it can put it into your podcast feed on whichever podcast app you listen on. So you guys know the drill. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.